today, today we are going to wrap up this series that we've been in entitled Word. And over the last several weeks, we've been sharing a word for various groups of, of individuals, young and old, married or not, a word from God's Word that might just encourage you guys where you're at in this stage of life, but also a word for all of us as a church and how we should respond and embrace and love on uh, one another. Today, I want to wrap up this, this series with a, a word that, that wasn't originally on our schedule, but just through the encouragement of the Spirit, and, and, and we just as a leadership team felt like we needed to add an, an extra sermon in this series. And today we have a word for divorced people, or those that have gone through or suffered divorce. I was 19 years old when I faced the reality of divorce. This time in my life was, was to be a significant time in my life. I was preparing to get married to my wife, Angie, of 26 years now. I was about to begin my, my ministry career in the panhandle of Texas. This was supposed to be a significant time in my life. This was not supposed to be a time in my life spent navigating a divorce that my family was going through. But it was during... <laughs> It hurts still. This has been a hard week for me. Lord, Lord, work right now. It was during this time that I discovered and experienced God's love in a way that I did not expect and in a way that I cannot fully articulate to you guys today. Somehow, somehow, this is just how God is. This is why his name is powerful and wonderful and beautiful. You see, somehow, despite my chaotic circumstances that I was going through, I received complete peace to the depths of my heart and soul. For many Christians, this thing called divorce is it's, it's a black and white concept that remains largely controversial. Despite its, its prevalence, d divorce is, is one area of brokenness that is, that is oftentimes not well received by the church, is it? And I have to admit to you, prior to being 19 years of age and going through this myself, I had such a negative, ugly view towards divorce and those that went through it. But God has a way of changing our viewpoints, doesn't he? And sometimes it's through life experiences, as was my case. Now the scriptures appear very clear. The statements found throughout the Old and New Testament, they're very clear. And, and, and if you just read those statements, and so many do, and just maybe even out of context, and maybe not knowing the whole story, it, it, it would seem to disqualify many of those that are divorced. And it would definitely warn off those who are seeking divorce as a resolution. And it is true, divorce can be ugly. I, I, I'm a grown man. I'm not as old as Pastor Kyle, but I'm, I'm still grown. And, and, and it is still painful this day for me. Divorce is ugly. Marriage 
is God's good design, reflecting his heart towards his people. And we know that Jesus is the ultimate bridegroom. He is the expression of God's love for us. And divorce is spoken of strongly throughout Scripture because it is essentially the opposite of God's heart for marriage. Does that make sense? We know that many Christians experience divorce for for various reasons and can find reconciling their reality that they're now living in and their faith as challenging as the divorce itself. I'll never forget hearing my mom say how she dreaded walking into a house of worship after the divorce. And I grew up in church, not only on Sunday mornings, but Sunday afternoons, Sunday nights, Monday nights, Wednesday nights, and then Friday nights if there was something special going on. But yet to hear my mom share how she felt dirty... Self-imposed or not, or, 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 or valid reasons. People, just the glares and the looks and those thoughts of just being unworthy of love and acceptance. It's hard sometimes to reconcile our reality with, with our faith. Whether we experience brokenness from our own choices or or through no fault of our own. Listen, we have a Savior who delights in us and He desires to see us living life abundantly. Romans chapter 8 verses 31 through 39 and we sang these words just a few moments ago. It declares that there is nothing, say nothing, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of our Father. Do you believe that? No height, no depth, no principalities, no angels, no things future. I mean, There is nothing that can separate us from the wonderful love of our Father. And I just believe that we fellow believers need to learn to extend God's love towards those who are facing divorce rather than exhibiting negativity and applying judgment. You guys, if you've been with me any amount of time, have heard me say this. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. It's God's job to judge. It's our job to love. And I think that maybe we can learn from that today. Amen? Instead of applying the negativity and those glares or those thoughts or that conversation that maybe my mom might have experienced so many years ago, what would happen if we had the love of the Father? The word that I have today for those that are divorced or for those that have experienced divorce, the word I have for you today is the word new. N-E-W, new. You know, the temple in the Old Testament was built as a place for God. A place that was sacred, a place that was set apart, a place that glorified God. But as you read throughout the Old Testament, what you'll find is over time, the temple and the temple practices were violated. So much so that the temple no longer represented what it was set out to be. And as you read throughout the Old Testament, what you'll find is Jesus then destroyed that very temple as it had become an abomination to him. And in this place and in the place of that temple, 
He gave life to something new. Not a building, but himself. A similar thing oftentimes happens in marriage. What was set up as something sacred and and glorifying to God, it becomes destructive. It no longer honors him and is destroyed. But we have hope today in the midst of this destruction. You see, we have the person of Jesus Christ in our lives, don't we? And this person of Jesus Christ is constantly bringing new life out of the old. I love the passage in in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. It says this. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your what nature? Your new nature. Created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Listen, for those of you that are here with us today, if you've been through a divorce, I want you to know that God has a plan for your life. He still has a plan for your life. In fact, I believe that your divorce probably did not catch God off guard. I think that he probably knew before you drew your (coughs) first breath, before you ever went out on that first date, before you exchanged those vows and said, listen, I believe that God knew the path that he had for your life. And I want you to know that he still has a plan for you. And I really believe that God's plan and hope for our lives is often birthed out of these seasons in the wilderness where we have encountered brokenness and destruction and suffering. You see, it would be great to stay on the mountain with him and just receive the word just as Moses did time and time again. But oftentimes the reality is this. That it's in these deep, dark times of life, through the loss of something or someone, or through a calamity or chaotic experience, listen, that God oftentimes does His greatest work and shows us the plan that He has for our lives. And so today, I would encourage those of you that have, have gone through divorce or have been have suffered somehow, and I'm not just talking about the man or the woman. It, you could be a child that has gone through it like me. You could be a family or friend that has, has suffered a result of this. Listen, if you are in this wilderness of suffering from divorce, know that God is at work in your life. He's working his plan. There is something that he is wanting to accomplish and do. I wish that I could snap my fingers today and the, 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 the plan would be unraveled before us. But listen, God's ways are higher than mine. I probably would shoot too low for your life. God has something greater than you can ever dream of or imagine. Please trust that. Maybe you're going through this time right now, and I would encourage you to reach out. Reach out by, by, by entering into maybe some form of counseling. We, we have uh, g- offer great offerings for people here at, at 1910. Pastor Robert Chester with his counseling ministry that we offer here. Uh, listen, may, maybe joining some sort of recovery group or, group or support group. Somehow reach out. Hey, maybe even reaching out, walking 
alongside some compassionate friends. Remember this verse of scripture we looked at with teenagers a few weeks ago. I still think applies to us as adults. That he who walks with the wise grows wise. But a companion of fools will suffer harm. You see, someone today walking through this wilderness of divorce, maybe, maybe you just need to find some wise friends. You know what happens? Wise rubs off on, uh, on you. When you hang out with wise people, it has a way of influencing and rubbing off on you. Find something. Take a step through counseling, a recovery group, or walking with wise friends. I'm telling you, you need that. Listen, no matter what stage you are in in the divorce process, know that we worship a God who has not left us alone, but He desires to dwell with us in the midst of this season of struggle. For two and a half years, I had nothing to do with my father. I I hate to admit that before. I I was serving in a church. I was on staff. I was a pastor in a church. And for two and a half years, I let bitterness and anger and the rage within me (laughs) sever and keep me from a relationship there. And I'm telling you, God had to do a great work in me. And bring me to this place. You know where he brought me to? He said, Jason, listen. He is still your father. He's still your father. And although you may not like the situation you find yourself in, and and neither do I, it hurts my heart. Listen, he's still your father. He's someone that I love. And you should also. I'm, I'm being transparent with you today. As a Christian, I, I have had so many misconceptions about divorce. I'm probably not alone, though, am I? And I, I, Let me just share a few misconceptions that I've seen when it comes to this thing called divorce. Here's one misconception. True Christians don't get divorced. I thought that until it happened to my family. This, my brother's a pastor. I come from good stock. I mean, we, 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 we do. We, we, listen, and I thought that true Christians don't get divorced. I, I hate to, but listen, I, I thought at an early age, I thought that, listen, if you were divorced, that there may not be a hope of heaven for you. I hate to admit that. I hate that, but I did. Isn't this a misconception that we have in our culture? That true Christians don't get divorced. Listen, I've poorly assumed at times that that divorce was indicative of a lack of faith or trust in God. That that if the couple would just believe more or work harder, their marriage would survive. I've poorly assumed that, that couples haven't done everything that they can to save their marriage. That if they would have just done more, their marriage would have been salvaged. And I've poorly assumed at times that people take the easy way out by divorcing. They don't want to put in the work. Listen, I love marriage. And I'm passionate about helping couples. This church is passionate about helping couples have a thriving relationship that is glorifying to God. By the way, just a programming note, come January, we're having a marriage retreat. We're offering more about that in the days to come, but you need to mark that on the calendar right now. January 20 and 21. January 20 and 21. Mark it down. 
We want to help couples. I want to do all that I can to help restore a marriage. But unfortunately, my hope alone is often not enough. Marriages are not exempted from the destruction of this evil, sinful world that we live in, even if two faithful Christians are a part of it. People who go through a divorce are are not worse or, or, or less spiritual than any of us. Listen, we all have entered into relationships and decisions, haven't we, that have fallen apart and destroyed the lives of people around us? In many ways, the the, the falling apart of a marriage is is a reminder, not of some judgment that we need to place on that couple or person, but rather it's a reminder of brokenness we find in our humanity together and the grace of God that can bring new life to it. A a, a second misconception that I've had or that I see prevalent in our culture today is is this. Once you're considering divorce, it's already too late. Listen, even if you're at the point in your marriage where you're thinking about a divorce, listen, it's not too late to reach out for help. It's not. I've had the honor of of, of watching so many marriages. And Pastor Robert, Pastor, I mean, you guys have as well. we've, We've seen so many marriages that seem destined for divorce only to be transformed, right? I've witnessed couples shredding and burning up divorce papers. I've witnessed couples renewing their commitment to one another and, and then get, getting busy at doing this thing, this work of this thing called restoration. Listen, reach out to your friends if you find yourself thinking this. Reach out to your friends in your church community and find a marriage counselor who cares about your marriage and desires to see it restored. It's not too late. Third misconception that, that, that I've seen prevalent is a destructive marriage is better than getting a divorce. A destructive marriage is better than getting divorced. And maybe this is because of what we as a church have relayed to people if you go through a divorce. I don't know. I, I, I've had couples come into my office and, and say things like, well, at least we aren't divorced. It's bad. But at least we're not divorced. As if somehow just coexisting in the same space makes a marriage. Listen, just because you're not divorced does not mean that your marriage is glorifying to God. Don't just coexist in a poisonous, unhealthy, potentially dangerous marriage for the sake of not divorcing. What God desires most is that you thrive in this beautiful thing that he created called marriage. And that your marriage would be one that brings glory to him. Take the steps you need to by by reaching out for help if you need to. Don't just suck it up. Listen, for those of you, again, that have been affected by this ugly thing, and, and, and I know we prayed this morning, Greg Milam and Michael and I prayed this morning, and we know that this is a, a hard day. And I was transparent with those guys and just said, this has been a hard week in getting ready for this. I know for some of you right now, just hearing this topic mentioned is, is hard, hard for you to hear. 
And there may still be some pent-up anger or resentment or bitterness. There might be some relationships that have been severed as a result of this. I get it. I was there. I get that. But I'm just telling you, you cannot let that anger continue to dominate you. And it will. I was enslaved to it for two and a half years. And even today, my heart will still hurt as I think about this or that or as, as I miss out on some of those things that well, I'm trying to make sure my kids don't ever have to miss out on. But if you're still dealing with this, this anger, if there's a root of it in you, listen, I'm just asking you today, let the Holy Spirit of God come in and help you deal with that. We, we prayed this morning, Holy Spirit, come. And when we pray, Holy Spirit, come, we're not praying for the Holy Spirit to come to this room or to this campus. He's here already. You know that. The Spirit of God is everywhere. It's everywhere. For the Spirit of God not to be in this room this morning would go against the very nature of who God is. He's, he's omnipresent. He's everywhere, right? But when we pray, Holy Spirit, come, what we're praying is come into and work in my life. Work in Bill's life. Work in the Billingsley's life. We're, we're asking the Holy Spirit to come and work in us. So when I pray this morning, Holy Spirit, come. I was praying, Holy Spirit, would you come and do a work in Michael's life? Would you do it in Wade's life, in Tiffany's life? Would you do a work in us, Lord? And for some of you this morning, you need the Holy Spirit to come, don't you? You need him to come and do a work in your life as he did for me, and take that anger and that rage and bitterness out. Are those phone conversations today easy? They're not. They're still awkward and they're still weird, but they take place. Are those visits and times in which we do get to see each other? They are few and far between, but they do happen. And, and we, do, we do love and hug on and accept what we do. I'm praying for the Holy Spirit to do a work. In fact, I just want to let you know, I'm not through with my sermon, by the way. And in just a few moments at the end of our, of our service today, listen, our prayer ministry team are going to be here today. And listen, I'm asking for you just to come and let the Holy Spirit do a work in your life through our ministry team today. Well, let me share a word with the church, if I can, to kind of wrap this up. I, I want to give us as the church some tips on, on, on dealing with people that have gone through divorce. I, I told you, my, 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 my world was, was pretty contained prior to this, and I had such a negative and, and unrealistic view towards it all. And, 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 and even again, the church has imposed some ugly, harmful, hurtful things towards those that have gone through this. And so I just, can I just speak to the, to the rest of us, all, all of us? Some things that, that, that I believe are important for us as we help those that are going through divorce. The first thing I would say is this. Embrace, don't disgrace. Embrace, don't disgrace. Listen, nobody expects to ever be in this position that we're talking about today. I don't think any, any couple walking down the marriage aisle just says, Listen, I'm just giving you two years. <laughs> Or, hey, I'm in this just for four. I don't think that. Even in the case of infidelity, divorce rivals any crisis in our lives. 
And this is not the time for us as the church to pile on to people. Are you with me? Listen, being a friend doesn't mean taking sides. It just means to be a friend in a time of need. Listen, be available to help those that are hurting. Be available to pray together. And and, and by the way, I would just love for you to consider this passage from Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 1, that says this. Don't pick on people. This is from the message translation. Don't pick on people. Jump on their failures. Criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging It's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and to be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you when your own face is distorted by contempt? It's this whole traveling roadshow mentality all over again, playing a holier-than-thou part instead of just living your part. Wipe that ugly sneer off your own face. And you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. (laughs) The word of the Lord. (laughs) Embrace, don't disgrace. Secondly, I would say this. Don't Bible thump. Don't Bible thump. My mom did not need another sermon back when it happened. She didn't need a visit from the deacons. What my mom needed was love. She needed someone to speak with love into her life, with grace and truth. Listen, friends going through divorce may need Jesus more than they ever have needed Him. And I believe, as I've said earlier, that God can still work in this situation. Listen, church, don't condemn or judge your friend like somehow you've been deputized in the Holy Spirit police force. Do the loving thing and just love. And while navigating this, this relationship, God, I believe God may teach you something about yourself, even some of your vulnerabilities and character. Don't Bible thump. And then the last thing I would share with us, this is, I love the Bible. Do you read the Bible? Guys, it is good. There's great stuff there. It is, it is still relevant for our lives today. If you think it's antiquated and, 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 and written for a different group of people at a different time, you're wrong. You're missing out on some great counsel and some great stories that I believe will help us today. And, and here's one. Listen, do what the Samaritan did. We've talked about that here at this church. Embrace, don't disgrace. Don't Bible thump. And lastly, I would just say, hey, church, let's just do what the Samaritan did. Do you remember that story? In Luke chapter 10, Jesus tells us exactly how we are to act towards a neighbor. In that story, you read, while other men were walking around, this man that was beaten and laying on the side of the road, stripped of his clothes, his money and dignity, all of that taken, this random Samaritan interrupts his travel plans. What did he do? Why did he interrupt his plan? He took pity for the man. He, he, he went to this man. He stopped his trip to bandage the wounds of this man that lay there. Then he put this man on his own donkey and took him to a place of safety. He put him up in a hotel and he took time to care for him. What would happen, church, 
if we would just do what the Samaritan did, I mean, can you imagine how things would be so different, how people's lives would, 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 would be served and ministered to in, in a way that, let's just be honest, oftentimes they're not being served that way. In, in other words, here, listen, don't ignore your friend and don't wait for someone else to go and help. You be that Samaritan. You go and pray with that friend. Take them a meal. Provide a helping hand. Hey, if they have kids, go get their kids. Help with the garbage, whatever the need. Listen, just please give your friend a glimpse of Jesus working through you. Just be Jesus. If Jesus tells us to be like the Samaritan and serve our neighbors with with this kind of attention, how much more should we serve those that we call a friend? Listen, helping a friend in need is a friend indeed. And I believe that this thing called divorce provides us an opportunity to show and to carry out God's love. Embrace, don't disgrace. Don't Bible thump. And do what the Samaritan did. Is that a good word today? The word is new. The word is new. Listen, we've been through an incredible journey together over the last six weeks. Actually, seven weeks. And I pray that somehow you've been encouraged with a word from the word, the word of God. And just kind of a, 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 let's walk down memory trail real quick as I kind of leave the stage today. But, you know, we started with the word for the church and the word for the church was the word first. Seek first the kingdom of God. We had a word for parents. The word for parents was the word lead. Parents, you are to lead. Your kids aren't the leaders in the home. You are. Lead. We had a word for the widows, those that are widowed. And this word was enlargement. Listen, your life is different now, but your Jesus is still with you. And he's enlarging your life and giving you an opportunity to do maybe some things that you've never done before. We had a word, week number four, for married couples. And that word was the word covenant. You see, marriage is not a contract where if you do your part, I'll do my part. Oh, no, marriage is a covenant. It's two people walking together in this thing of covenant relationship. We had a word for teenagers. And that word was important. Teenagers are important. Society says they're not. They're too young or they're lazy or whatever. No, they're important and they have so much to offer and to contribute. We had a word last week for singles. And that word was the word best. Singles, don't settle for anything less than God's best for your life. Amen? And in today, a word for divorced new. We worship a God that makes old things new. He makes all things new. And no matter how you feel today, 
no matter what's been said about you, we have a Savior that came to bring you life abundantly, a life that is new.